0: And so um, today, uh, we're continuing this series called um, More Than Able, which is the theme for this year, and thank you, and it's part of um, a stepping stone towards our vision, which is, uh, let's say together, ready, one, two, three, to build disciples who represent Jesus to everyone, everywhere, with everything. Now I had um, a pastor that I knew, a senior pastor, who used to give out money to their youth kids if they could remember the vision statement. Now, I'm not going to do that because I'm a cheap pastor, okay? But why don't you turn to your neighbor and repeat the vision statement to each other. Yeah, go. Okay. Now, how many of you guys got it right? (laughs) Uh, It's a a scary idea after eight years. (laughs) But what I want to do today... Uh, The first two weeks has been largely just setting the scene from the Word of God through about the text in Ephesians. But today is a vision casting sermon, okay? Uh, For me, I want to cast a vision and really share what's on my heart uh, as it's the eighth year sharing uh, what this vision means, not just for our church, but also for you. And my prayer is that you just don't have information, but you have revelation. Because revelation goes a lot further, it goes a lot deeper. And it's something that only God can do. You can hear it a thousand times until that one moment, bang, when the Holy Spirit comes and it convicts you and finally your eyes see. As it says in Ephesians, it says, may God grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Yeah? And my prayer is that for each and every one of us today. So let's go straight into the text. This is where we're going. Ephesians uh, chapter 3 verses 14 to 21. This is the NLT version. And this is the Apostle Paul. And this is his prayer. And this is my prayer for each and every one of us this morning. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious and unlimited resources that He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust Him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power... To understand, as all God's people should, should how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love is, and may you experience the love of Jesus Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then, you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able to, through His mighty power, work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask, might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church. And in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And this is the word of the Lord. Let me just pray. Lord God, we just ask for that spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon each and every one of us, God. I pray that you move our hearts, God. Lift the veil from our eyes to be able to see as Paul sees in this scripture, that it will move us, God, and convict us as it convicts and convicted the life of Paul. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Now, this week was an interesting week. I, I had an invitation to attend an intensive uh, doctorate of ministry of workplace ethics and theology at Melbourne Business School, and because um, I knew some of the supervisors there, and they gave me an invitation, and I had a full two weeks. I was able to sit in to listen to a whole bunch of Christian leaders uh, in this nation. And you know, when you hang around big people, how many of You, guys, you know, when you hang around big people, all of a sudden you feel bigger. I don't mean big people, sorry. I mean, like, oh man, okay, let's. Big people on the inside, okay? But people who are so big in their view of the world, so big in their view of God in faith, so big in their character, so big in their attitude and their perspective, it can't do anything else but lift you up, amen? How many of us have been around those kind of people? Yeah, People who are so big that they lift you up to a different view. They enlarge your faith. They broaden and deepen your conviction in your heart. And I can't help that when we hang out in this passage in Ephesians, when we read the life of the Apostle Paul, he is a big man. Can I hear an amen? He is a big man. He's a man with a big vision, a vision of how God was able to design and see the church and the purpose of the church And what I want us to be able to do is I want to take us through Ephesians and then walk us through with it as if we're hanging out with this big man and to see as he sees, to feel as he feels, so that we can be convicted as he is convicted. And so one of the things I want to be able to walk through, I'm going to scatter through Ephesians and then I'm going to land on that passage that we had just spoken about. But I'm going to spend the first half walking through that as we hang out with the Apostle Paul. And as we see, one of the three things that we see as we hang out with Paul in Ephesians is that we see God's incredible salvation for you and I. And here's a picture of just us, spiritually dead, disconnected and distant from God, and trapped in sin, but then yet, when Jesus Christ came into our life, He set us from sin and death. Can I hear an Amen. And in so doing, Christ now lives in us through the Holy Spirit, and we became spiritually alive to God. And here the passage says in Ephesians 1, Paul writes, he goes, All oh, praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. And even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself, to Jesus Christ. How many of us have seen the beauty of God's salvation and saving work in our lives? Put up your hands. You know, I remember I was in a village in India and um, Pastor Skinner used to run an orphanage. And there was this orphan girl who changed her Hindu name into a Christian name. And Pastor Skinner would say, would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? Because, but then she said, when you adopted me and you took me into your wing, into your house, and I experienced new life, how can I not but change my name? Amen? Yeah? She was willing to pay the price because she experienced the saving work of Jesus Christ through that man that it touched her life. Abandoned in the past, but now accepted and embraced into the new family of God And she said, I can't help but just change my name. And then she did. But yet here Paul is describing the beauty of God's salvation. And have you seen the beauty of God's salvation in your life? Have you seen it in the life of other people? And here Paul continues to speak to it. And he says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Everyone put your hand on your heart and say, I am God's masterpiece. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and look at them in the eyes and say, I am God's masterpiece. (laughs) And you were so uncomfortable when you did that. You don't believe it. You don't believe it, right? But yet, when you see with the eyes of your heart, it is one of the most beautiful things. Because you know how broken you are. You know you were dead without God. You had nothing to give. You had everything to lose. You wanted to hide in shame. But God, by His grace and mercy, not anything of your own merit, but by faith in Christ Jesus and what he had done on that cross. We were forgiven, given a new heart, a clean slate. And he says, now you are my masterpiece. And it says in this, he has created us a new creation in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. I have seen the beauty of God's salvation saving work taking imperfect, broken people, conquering us by His love, changing lives from the inside out in ways that only God can do. And I saw the beauty, and we see the beauty of God's salvation. But Apostle Paul doesn't just stop there. He then takes us on this journey, and he causes us to see the beauty of God's plan. And here he describes and he says, and this is God's plan, the church. Now, I don't know what you think about when I say the word church. Maybe you're thinking about Clayton Church of Christ. You're thinking about how the gathering of the believers in a local, certain local space or the services or whatever. But here, Paul sees the beauty of God's great plan, and that is the church. And this is how he describes the church. The people of God, a new humanity, God creating a new kingdom. And it says here, both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news now share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Now, if you were live streaming in that moment of time of history, you will see how cutting edge this thinking was. For a group of Jewish people who thought they were God's chosen people, God's elect, God was going to come and save them and build Israel great again. God raised this Apostle Paul to bring the good news to nations outside of the Jewish nation, to the Gentiles, and to bring this mystery, this plan that was secretly kept from years ago to say you are now included into this new humanity, this new people of God, God now creating the church. And here he continues, he says both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. And man, if Paul did not do that, you and I would not be here today. And I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan. Everyone say plan. Plan that God, the creator of all things, that had kept secret from the beginning... We talk church so simply as it was so familiar, but man, Paul is saying, this church, this new people of God, this new humanity, this new creation, this new kingdom of God that's going to come from these people, this secret that was hidden from years past, cutting-edge information and insight, this had always been God's plan. Now, I see the beauty of the church. I see the beauty of the local church when we gather together with the different parts. There's no other community like the church because you have all kinds of people of shapes, sizes, backgrounds, history, failures in the past, occupation, status, all coming together but being united with one thing and that is Jesus Christ. And here God creates this beautiful plan, which is the church, and bringing it all together. And when it works beautifully, we all carry an image of Jesus that helps us discover more of Jesus more. Can I hear an amen? Like, I remember, I'm a first-generation Christian. I've never raised kids. I've got children at 8 and 11. I've never raised children in a Christian home. I remember when Paul was celebrating Noah's birthday many, many, many years ago. And then he got up and he just said, Noah, I can't remember what age he had turned, maybe um, seven or something. He goes, These are seven things that I love about you. And he goes, bang, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now I thought, ah, oh, like a good Asian man, I'm gonna copy that. <laughs> yeah? Kingdom copying, no copyright. That's fine, you know? And so so when Judah turned five, I go, hey, Judah, out of my own wisdom, these are five things I love about you. One, two, three, four, five. But He imaged an aspect of Jesus and how to parent your kids in a way that enabled me as the first generation to do that. Amen? And we all do that for one another. Now, that's one aspect by seeing the beauty of this God's plan. But let's take it a little bit further. So this week, there was uh, the doctorate ministry. It was people from the US and Australia. And there was about 12 of us. And then we managed to hear from Tim Costello, which is amazing. And he began to talk because he had written an article about um, the conflict bet- between Palestine and Israel. And he had been there multiple times and he had seen at a real grassroots level that people are okay with a two state solution. People like, you know, people who have businesses who are Palestinian would have Jewish uh, friends who would help market their product and their business. And he was describing how leaders, and he was talking about leadership and he was talking about how leaders need to define reality, but sometimes leaders define enemy lines and make us compete with one another. And if there's one thing that Israel and Palestine have in common, is that a two-state solution is not acceptable. Now, I'm not here to talk about politics, okay? But I'm here to talk about what he's trying to say about the beauty of the church. And then he began to describe that how as leaders today, we need to be leaders that challenge groupthink, leaders that define reality. And he looks at the world, and you're going to understand, this guy caught up with Putin. He's at the G20. He's operating at that level. And here he's sharing his insights about leadership at that level as a Christian. And then he says, the world is re-tribalizing. Especially with social media. We're all forming our own little tribes, our own little groups, around our own passions, our own preferences, our own prejudices, and also around our own ignorances. And unfortunately, we have leaders today that aren't challenging group thing and defining reality, but following the tribes. And here he was calling us to say, as leaders, you got to set a different way. And here he shared about how our faith challenges tribalism. Because there's no Jew, no Greek, amen? There's no slave, no free, and no woman or no male. And here, lifting all humans above their tribal belongings, because to some aspect, all carry the image of God. But yet, he sees Christian leaders becoming tribal leaders again, around whether it's pro-vaccine, or anti-vaccines, Democrats, Republicans, re-tribalizing, no difference. But yet, he calls us to this higher humanity, and he references Acts one. When Jesus was going to go into heaven, and the disciples have one last question, and they ask him this question, it says, when are you going to restore Israel again? In other words, when are you going to make Israel great again? And this is a small Jewish group of people. And then Jesus doesn't want to have any part of it. And he goes, you know, it's not for you to know the time, but this is what I want you to do. While you're thinking, I want to make this great, just like today. China is trying to go, let's make China great again. Russia is trying to go, let's make Russia great again. America is trying to go, let's make America great again. But yet, here he says, it is not for you to know the times, but I want you to share the gospel from Jerusalem, go to another tribe, Judea, to another tribe, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Isn't that amazing? Because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not a tribalism like the way we talk about here in the world today. But here he's calling this Jewish group of people, now Christians, who've seen the resurrection and this new creation beginning that rises above the tribalism, that rises above the nationalism. Can I hear an amen? Because there's neither new Jew nor Greek, but we are all one in Jesus Christ. And this is God's great plan in the world for a new people, a new humanity, a new kingdom that is not of the kingdoms of this world. Can you see the beauty of God's plan? Can I hear an amen? And I'm going, that is amazing. Hanging around with a big Christian leader, taking you up to the heights, to see God's plan like the way Paul saw God's plan for his church. But Paul didn't stop there, and he continued. And he says, because you see, while the church is God's plan, the church is not God's purpose. I believe in the church, I I work, I serve in the church, but that's not God's purpose. Because here it says this, that God's purpose in all this was to use the church, to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. And here, Paul begins to go, I see the beauty in God's salvation, you as an individual. I see the beauty of God's plan in creating this new People of God, but I need to now see the beauty of God's purpose because it's through the church that God wants to display His manifold, multifaceted, diverse wisdom to the world. Can I hear an amen? But yet, so oftentimes we get confused that the church is God's purpose and we stop there. We confuse the church as God's purpose when really it was a plan to fulfill His greater purpose, which is to take us into the world as disciples representing Jesus to everyone, wherever your foot lands on, every relationship with your everything that you possess to image God into His world as a new kingdom. Now what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I see the wisdom of God manifesting through the church. That's a picture of Clement, which is Alice's wife. That was a really big smile. Your son looks so much like you. Yeah. But that was him sharing, uh, doing an evangelism at, with the other churches on the streets. And he sent that through the leaders' chat, and someone was healed and someone accepted the Lord. Amen. I see snippets of that where here we see God's healing and salvation. I've got a friend, his name is Herbert Um. And many of us would know religious instruction was kicked out of Victoria, right? They were too overt. And then they had not really established an alternative, you know, general religious education. But Herbert Um, with a, a few others, with Tim Costello and a few others, started this thing called Faith Values, which is probably quite covert. Not many people know about it. But through friendships, has established relationships with the Department of Education and has c- connected with other Um, religious, people of religious faith because at the moment in Victorian schools, secularism is the key worldview around there, amen and so what they're finding in the education sector is that many students are now going to now private schools and, and, and private like independent schools because they want to have a worldview that fits their worldview and the government is recognizing that and recognizing the need to be able to bring this kind of unity together and so they saw an open door into the educational sector to re- prevent just the secularist worldview from dominating our future generations. And say, we will rise and develop a curriculum that all your religious teachers, all your teachers in all the public schools will have to teach on different worldviews, but they will also prevent, present the Christian worldview. Can I hear an amen? amen. This, is, this is someone, the church, manifesting the wisdom of God And what he needs is educators and teachers to run a pilot program for this year. And if that works, that will be rolled out into other things. So if you're an educator, a teacher, come speak to me. Yeah? But this is a picture. I'm just trying to lift our vision to see God's church manifesting the manifold wisdom of God. I had a chance to listen to Jenny George. Jenny George was the previous CEO of Converge, which is a Anyway, um, she's now the Dean of Melbourne Business School. And I remember sitting in there listening to her as she talks about well-being. Well-being is a huge kind of, you know, um, um, fashionable word and catchphrase right now. But a lot of times when you talk about well-being, it tends to be just about me. But historically and biblically, well-being, obviously we know comes from God and it's in right relationship with God and everything else. But it also brings about the virtuous life into it. And here we see the church representing godly virtues and bringing that into how you run businesses and how you think about well-being i listened to this guy his name's dr paul toomey i've never heard of him before but he was amazing this guy is like mr internet but the catholics had used him to develop ethics in ai and they had just released a paper and this is what he says the church must have courage Because what does the church have to say from its ancient wisdom to artificial intelligence? Christians should not feel assaulted or defensive, but allow these new cultural things to stimulate us to explore how to communicate and integrate our faith in new and purer ways. And with his input, the Vatican developed an ethical framework around AI. Guys, you may not know a lot about AI. Some of us know more than others. You can't run away from this. This is the world that our future children are going to live in. Can I hear an amen? And as Christians, we've got to be front-footed and go, our faith speaks to that. And how do we bring that into the space that really can speak into and express God's manifold wisdom into the world? Another guy, his name is Richard Lua, bringing God's story into the arts. Now, I had a chance to go to the NGV, the Triennial. How many of you guys went there? Put up your hand. No one? I'm not that cultured. Eugenia made me go. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, now, it's the National Gallery of Victoria, and it's one of the key art centers. And it's a one in three year celebration in choosing their, their displays and who, who are, which artists they will display. And I remember going to that space uh, with my family my mom, stepdad, and uh, Eugenia and the kids. And then we went down there. The first thing I noticed was this statue. I don't know who she is, but she's some kind of famous artist, and she was kind of rapping, and it was a, an, a statue of herself. And it felt very secular. Everyone was kind of going around there. And, and so I decided to go upstairs and look at the other displays. So anyway, we entered into this room, and we saw this display, this whole floor, just on this. Okay? And when you walk into this room, you, you're confronted with all these words, like, my son wants to be an artist, but he is terrible. I would vote for Trump. Tim pees in the shower, or even, I wish I was single, I need to love myself more. I like it when my friends are jealous of me. And then you go into the space, and then it's almost like a confession space. And then when you walk into there, then you walk into the next room, then you start seeing the creation story. Isn't that beautiful? All on display at the NGV. Featured in the triennial. And then my son, my eight-year-old son, had the opportunity to share the gospel story to my family. Through that. Isn't that amazing? And I'm going it's a bit like that story with Roman Empire and then Jesus being born in a barn, like, you know, like this quiet space. But yet, this Christian, Richard Lua, displaying God's story in the arts. Can I hear an amen? Does that inspire you? Because it does with me. Because what we want to do as the church together And there is a place for this. is to start lining up how we can then help you with what we do in here to help you what we do out there. Because God's plan is the church, but God's purpose is to use the church to display his manifold wisdom into the world. And so Paul, let's continue the journey. So Paul then says, in chapter 3, verse 14, says this, When I think about all this, all this, I've just contextualized it into a modern day age. But when I think about all this, this this church and this God's big plan into this world, he falls to his knees and he prays to his Father and the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And what does he pray for? And I want to... Deep dive a little bit into this text because between this moment and the verse that we all quote, God is more than able, amen, is this bridge, which is an important bridge that we need to unpack. Because Paul, in light of seeing all that out there, the first thing he does, the first thing he begins to pray about, is that God will give us his power to understand His love in our hearts. Now, some of you are going, and? <laughs> Let's go. And here it says here, I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength. Everyone say inner strength. Through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts. Everyone say in your hearts. As you trust Him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power, everyone say power. Power Power to what? To understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And only then, you will be made complete with all the fullness of life, And the power that comes from God. And here, in light, as a big man with a big vision, seeing God's great purpose, where does he start? He starts with the heart. Everyone say heart. He starts with the heart. As big as all those things is, he goes the only way for that to begin to express itself. It causes him to fall to his knees and pray that God will begin a work in our hearts. And this is the work I want to um, articulate and express. And he prays that God's power will be at work in our hearts. You know, oftentimes when we read the word, God is more than able, what do we think? God is more than able to heal cancer. I've been healed from cancer. I believe that. God is able to redeem and restore brokenness and people who come out of a divorced family. I believe that. God is more than able to heal the pain and traumas of your past. I believe that. But the thing is, a lot of times when we think about God is more than able, we think about God changing our circumstances first. But where he's emphasizing here is God starting his powerful work in you. Can I hear an amen? Because this power that puts the stars into the skies... And made you and I, that can say, let there be light. That power is the power that he says, I want it to be at work in you, in your inner being through the Holy Spirit. Because our heart is not just an organ, it's the seat of our will, it's the place of our emotions, our mind, our desires. It is the real you because it's the center of your life. And God is saying, I want to rule your heart because when I rule your heart, I will rule your life. And if you want your life changed, God often starts with first changing your heart. Can I hear an amen? What does it say in Ezekiel? Where God was saying, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. Because out of all our problems, the core problem is sin. And sin isn't just doing the things that are wrong. It's a heart that is selfish, rebellious, self-centered, that no matter how hard we try, we will always put ourselves first. And that's why we need God, because only God can give us a new heart, and only God can replace our self-centeredness with His love. Can I hear an amen? Now, can I just get Benny to come up? Uh, That'd be great. And here God removes the heart of stone and puts His Spirit in us. And that means we no longer say, I have to, but we say, I want to. Let me tell you a story. So, uh, I was preaching in January on the speed of love, yeah? And then I got a text from someone, a member in our church, who I won't name, but their son's name, so all you guys are trying to work out who that person is. Anyway, this is what they wrote. Hey, Chi, how are you? I want to thank you for the word on Sunday. I thought it was super relevant and convicting. I've been thinking about the way in which God loves us recently, and your sermon helped unpack that a bit more for me personally. Recently, Josh was at someone's house and was playing in their six-year-old girl's cubby house with her. Suddenly, he comes towards me, all teary-eyed, and I found out she had hit his head with a broom, and me, angry face, right? And this was all in my head, of course. Now, when her parents had heard about it, they didn't handle it the way I expected, perhaps the way I would have. They were gentle and kind, and I talked to her, and talked to her about it, and I was even more annoyed. You You see, the thing is, the problem is everyone else. The problem is my circumstance. The problem is my spouse. The problem is them, the kids. It's everywhere outside of me. Not inside of me, it's outside. But then God moved. And it says, by reflecting back on this moment, God showed me a snippet of how he loves us. And while I saw one side to this litigal in that hour we were there, her parents know her and have seen her more of her. Perhaps a kind nature and a generosity to others while I judged her by that one action. And her parents got that that one action does not define her. And they loved her for the whole of her, even in that moment. Isn't this how God loves us? He loves the whole of us, what and all, all of the time. And He does not define us by our errors, even in our moments of erring. This is me, when that hit me. <gasps> to smiley, loving face. So thank you for highlighting that He also loves me and deals with me at my pace of speed. I was super comforted to hear that. Can I hear an amen? That is an everyday story of this passage. That so many times we pray for God to deliver me from my circumstance and the situation, but so often in my experience and even in my reading of Scripture, God starts with the heart because the problem is from the heart we live, that's why he says guard your heart because out of it will flow the springs of life guard your heart because it determines the direction of your life because from your heart your mouth speaks if your spring is polluted you'll have polluted water but if your spring is clean clean water will come out and that is a huge disconnect that we live in this world it's everyone, our external self-help stuff, no, no, no This is a God work in you. Can I get an amen? A God's divine power to be at work within you so that you can understand the incredible love of God. Isn't it interesting that you need power to understand the love of God? And that's what he's saying. You can't get it. For you to know it, to experience it, to be transformed by it, you need this divine power to help you see it. You know, with a vision to build disciples who represents Jesus. And when I first started, I said, the church should be the, 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 the leading force in understanding how people change. And so I went on this pursuit to go, you know what? Let's understand how God changes us, how God changes us. Then one day, a few years ago, God spoke to me and said, Chi, I didn't call you to change people. I call you to love people with the love of God. And it's the love of God that changes people. Can I hear an amen? Because when you love God with everything, then nothing else will rule your heart. Envy, jealousy, bitterness, insecurity, your own brokenness, that will not rule your heart, your past. But when the love of God, and you understand and experience the height, the depth, the breadth, the length of the love of God, it will then fill you with the fullness of God I had a pastor friend who struggled with his marriage and they had a massive argument with his wife and in that discussion they left self-control words flying around things people shouldn't be saying how many of us have been there? put up your hand come on, put up your hand are we all holy? no, no, come on, come on let's be honest I want, I want us to put up our hands yeah and my friend told me this story about how God's power was at work in his heart. So he was hurt, walked away, didn't want to think, not my problem, their problem, they should come to me. Heart was closed for business, right, in the love business. And then, he was listening to a worship song called "Abandon," And two lines stood out to him. The first is this, I gave my worst, and you gave me your blood. And it struck him because it's like, whoa, well, you gave me your words, I did not give you my blood. And then the second thing was, I just can't get over it. This is lyrics. What kind of self-control is this? When you had angels at your fingertips, but yet on the cross you remain. And I can't repay that kind of love, but I can praise you with everything I've got. And and the friend was saying, man, reflecting back on the argument, I don't have that self-control. That's a divine self-control. Can I hear an amen? It's a only God can do self control. Only a God power kind of self control. Anyway, my friend was still a little bit close and then later caught up with one of his mentors. And then in that discussion with the mentor, shared about the sermon, the mentor shared about the sermon that he had preached. And in that sermon, he talked about the time when Jesus was brought before Pontius Pilate and he goes, Are you a king? And then Jesus says, well, I am a king, but not a king of this world. Because he could have the angels at his fingertips, but he didn't. And then the mentor was saying, what an interesting thing, this kingdom of God. That the way the world works is that you bring your military might and force. Isn't that what happens when you have arguments? You want to win and fight. and Right? And then the king comes. But then this kingdom sends their king as the suffering servant and then angels will come when he comes again and then in that moment my friend was convicted because that's the only way you can win the human heart and that was the moment that God's powers was at work in his heart to turn back and to go and go I'm going to serve you and it healed their marriage can I hear an amen it's not a self-help kind of thing. It's an insight where he understood God's incomprehensible love in a way that it filled him with the fullness of God's love. Is this okay? Now I am going to share this last story and then I'll, I'll give a challenge. Yeah? Because you see, when we have the transforming power of God's love in our lives, and when we allow it to reshape our desires, priorities, and perspectives. It is this love that gives us hope in adversity. It helps us to have peace and turmoil. It helps us to love our enemies. It gives us the power to forgive and the desire to reconcile. It gives us the wisdom and guidance to make decisions out of faith and not fear. When you start with the heart, it affects every area of your life. Now, I caught up with Pastor Michael Jensen he's a uh, Presbyterian church pastor here many of you guys know he's part of the Together Clayton Network and he shared this with me which I thought was so deeply profound he goes Chi we must challenge sin in the church because when sin has the church Satan doesn't have to fight the church but when the church deals and confronts and challenges sin then Satan has to fight the church can I hear an amen isn't that good and this is what God is doing Because you see, sin steals the life of God from us. It stops us from being able to express the manifold wisdom of God into the world. But when we know and begin to understand how God first changes our hearts, and then we allow Him to do that, we can then start seeing Him change our life. And so that's why I believe, in light of the vision that Paul had about this big picture about the church, He goes all back to the beginning and He goes, start here. And that's what we're going to do as a church. Can I hear man? We're going to start with the heart. And over the years, you'll see us line up what we do in the church and how we do it. And you're going to line up what that means and how it empowers you to be in the world manifesting God's glory. Because we don't just build disciples for the church, but into the world. Now to Him, I hope you can read this text with a different understanding. Now, to God. Let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. Now, to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. Amen. And that was the doxology. God changes our lives by first changing our hearts. And I want to land it here. You will hear more and more of this in the time to come. But the key challenge I want to bring forward to us as a response, as a leadership, we've been planning this in the back end for the whole of last year. We've got this thing, what we call heart retreat, right? And we're going to have two retreats. But what we want to do is invite you, for those who feel convicted, out of what I've just shared. You go, you know what? That is so true, Chief. It starts with the heart. I want to know how that happens. I want to know how that happens, how God does that work in my heart and what do I do and how do I walk with God in that because I've tried so many other things in my life and it has not worked. But I hear what you're saying. The Holy Spirit's convicting me and says, yes, I thought it was a problem with my marriage. I thought it was a problem with other people and my job. But I realize now it has to begin here. So God changed my heart, if that's you this is the retreat for you. We want to be able to invite you on this transforming journey to this retreats, because you will focus on the core of who you are at a heart level underneath all your roles and labels, there's a part of us that always wants to be more like Jesus and this is a retreat that focuses on growing that part of yourself we believe that God has a desire to speak to us and lead us in every moment of our life because we take our hearts everywhere in the good times as well as in the bad but how do we walk with the Holy Spirit with the Word of God with community and see God do that heart work in us that leads to a transformation in our life work and so if that's you we want to put an expression of interest okay so it's a Friday night full day Saturday we've got um, kids program available it's totally free But we want early adopters to walk with us so that we can sharpen this wall more. And this is going to be a a core DNA piece for how we build these disciples who represents Jesus to everyone, everywhere, and everything. That sounds good? Yeah? So you can take out your phones. It's just an expression of interest form. It's not a registration form. We just want to be able to capture some of that. Uh, And then later we will follow you up uh, with the details that you've given us. Amen. Well, can I invite the worship team up here? And then what we're going to do is let's rise to our feet. I'd just like to invite the prayer team to come up. Uh, Just invite the prayer team to come up. And we just want to be able to pray for anyone. If that's you and you go, God, I want you to change my heart. I want you to do this great, powerful work in my heart or if there's any other things that you want us to pray for, or even if you just want to be able to hear from God and you want one of us to lay hands on you, just come to the front and we'll minister to you. But let me just pray and I'll I'll, I'll hand it over to Dave. Lord God, I thank you for the beauty of your great salvation. I thank you for the beauty of your great plan that is the church. I thank you for your great purpose to see us image you and to be used by you in our plot of the world to represent You. But Lord God, we know that that can be a real challenge and we know that it begins with You doing a work in our hearts. And so God, I pray that today that You give each and every one the spirit of wisdom and revelation and pray that Your Spirit will give us the inner strength through Your Holy Spirit to grasp the immensity of the love of God that we can all live to the fullness of God in our life. Amen.